music on Young Nostalgia. <laughs> Shit, I, I literally got nothing. What time is it? All right, I, I thought you were going to do like a, uh, what time is it? Time to get a watch. There it is. Half, quarter past the hair, half past the pregnant. That's bad. That's so bad. That's, Welcome. That's bad. To- <laughs> People just I, could just, I could hear everyone just turning it off and unsubscribing right now. <laughs> They didn't. They don't even know what the episode's about. They didn't even get the description. I, I, I am gradually getting worse and worse and worse about these things, man. It's bad. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Young Nostalgia. I'm Nolan. As always, I'm joined by one of the most rugged, honest, fun, mullet-loving <laughs> co-host in the entire world that I appreciate so so much. Ben, how are you doing today, big guy? I'm doing fantastic, especially coming back after. <laughs> I thought you were our... just <laughs> thought you were going to be like, I'm doing fine. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> especially after what? No, I'm just I'm good. Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> Dang it, I I really screwed this up. <laughs> How have you been? No, no, man. Uh, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Riveting no, conversation. Right. <laughs> right. So so the place that we're at now is like the first place that we've had that is an upstairs and downstairs and it's kind of like a, it's it's like a split level. Mm-hmm. But my gosh, does it get so stuffy upstairs more than downstairs and it's almost unbearable. Welcome to the <laughs> to the hot upstairs life. Been living it for 4 right. years. <laughs> it's so tough and awesome. Okay. Um, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, it was hard. I, I, was it hard to think with that cat butthole right in your face? <laughs> I'm still not used to that. <laughs> you, you know, I also had like a random question for you, but I can't remember. Oh boy, I could go. I could go any direction. I know. I know. Dang it! And I thought it was really good, and I was like super excited about it. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> okay. Dang it. Well, maybe it'll just come up. In yeah, the I was going to say, episode. maybe it'll come back. Yeah. All right. This episode is episode 124, 124, and it's and it's going to be about a quick and dirty, and I mean dirty, like we're going to have to spray you down with a hose after you, after you listen to this. Dirty. <laughs> not quick that, and not dirty. that kind of dirty. <laughs> Ben's always wanted to bring it back down, you know. You can't just leave it. You can't just leave it out there. God, I I feel like the longer that we've been friends and becoming like more comfortable with podcasting and then talking with each other, the more it just gets to be anything's free game at this point. I don't know. I, there are a couple other podcasts I listen to. I feel like it could go a lot farther. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> All right, no, this week we're going to be talking about um, quick and dirty history of watches um, and just kind of where they began, uh, the origins, why they're around, and kind of the different movements and types of watches that we currently have uh, today, um, and then just kind of explore it. Um, I was wearing a watch today, and now it's sitting on the desk next to me, and uh, we had no show idea until we sat until down. Until about so 10 minutes ago. So watches it was. <laughs> right, 10 <laughs> Oh, my God. Jeez. 
All right, this cat needs the to cat get getting you room, again. Yep. I could hear the key, hear the keyboard go crazy. I saw our show notes <laughs> go nuts. <laughs> okay, we're this is a train wreck. We missed a week. I wasn't even going to acknowledge it, and here we are. We're getting into this. All right, you ready? <laughs> this is freaking nuts, man. <laughs> trying to rush us so we get this over with um all right watches a history i'll take a few things and then ben will get into the origins and and evolution so watches overall progressed from the 17th century from spring-powered clocks which appeared as early as the 14th century um and then from there it's all the uh smart watches and what we know today so first off electro uh, sorry mechanical watches this is the kind of watch that you think of like when it comes to like vintage watches and and just like vintage old clocks that's like mechanical where it's a whole bunch of gears and like a timing spring uh wound up <clears throat> Um, and then that's what makes it a mechanical device d- driven by clockwork, powered by a winding mainspring and keeping time with an oscillating balance wheel. And this one is also like as cool as it is. It's also well known for being the most um, imprecise, I guess. Yeah. Imprecise, um, kind of fiddly, that kind of thing. Right, right, right. And a lot of like more upkeep, you know, the more kind of different moving parts and connecting parts you're going to have, uh, the more that can go wrong. Um Next up, we had uh, we have electrical watches. This is kind of stuff with uh, a battery. So quartz and electrical watch, like quartz movement watches, are put into the electrical uh, watch category. Um, and the first one was kind of like based on battery movement, uh, and it was pretty much just vibrating the main clock spring. Um, so still like not as accurate, but also less moving parts. Things go wrong. Um, and things like that and then we get to the quartz one which is like the more modern day watches your uh you know low to medium grade watches nowadays um like most fashion watches is going to be quartz movement with a battery Mm -hmm. um and then next up developed in 2010s we have the smart watches which uh, ben is is rocking quite often um which are elaborate computer-like electronic devices designed to be worn on the wrist that can tell time but also do loads more such as read texts call people um, a whole bunch of other things. You know, Vibrate. I, 99% of the time, obviously I use it to check the time so it doesn't do anything extra there. Um, right. <laughs> I would say, it, you know, it's quite convenient that it shows you text messages and that sort of thing. But I will say that the majority of my use with my Apple Watch is pausing whatever I'm listening to without... Nice going over to my phone if it's across the room or something like that that is it oh i love it i love it i love it so so do you own like many just watches other than like a smartwatch? uh by many uh i mean none no no no, no. Oh. that's not true i do have one uh and i do like it it's kind of just a silver super plain just kind of an old school uh battery it's a quartz watch basically a quartz mechanical mm-hmm. watch um and i used to wear it all the time and i just it was kind of a dress up watch i would guess is what i used it for silver right. stretch band that kind of style um right. not really a dress watch by watch people standards but that's what i used it for um and right. honestly i haven't used it 
in a long time because I don't dress up very often and my Apple Watch does so much more and I just don't even think about it anymore. But no, that is my one other watch. <laughs> nice. I respect it. I respect it. I probably have... Uh, yeah, I've, got, I've got a watch for every occasion. How's that? Nice. Nice. So you're I've more got. of the... Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say fashionable watch, but you have you wear a watch because it's a timepiece. And I think my use is just a little bit more utilitarian. I don't really care that it's, you know, I just wear a standard leather band, don't really care. It's more of a mm-hmm. functionality kind of thing, a little bit less of the interest in the timepiece. Right, right, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a great way to put it because I have like a different one. I have watches that will be good with like an outfit with black shoes <laughs> with 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 a met with a, you know, like a like a metal stainless steel band and also a black band that is leather. And then I have multiple brown leather watches. Mm-hmm. Um, do you change that kind of like have their own style and stuff? too? Do you change bands very often to based on what you're feeling or you pretty much just leave a band on a watch and use it as uh, all in one. I do have the option to change it out. And I do, um, a lot of the stuff though, like the watch, like the watch faces are usually designed in a way to go with the, 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 the band they came with. Mm-hmm. So like if it's a face that had a brown leather strap, usually I can't like try and mix and match with like a black leather strap because right. it, the face won't make it look good, but I do mess around with changing out the straps quite often. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So makes it fun. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a pain in the butt because like getting in that little like hook thing and then watch bands out. are such a pain. <laughs> they are. If, if it's not leather, it's like you're, you're out of luck, man. Yeah. No, I, I feel you on that. Cause I have in previous days I've played around with changing bands and it, it really stinks. That's one. That is another thing that I I have to swap out bands quite a bit. Um, j- obviously just because they, I feel like wearing a different band, but I go through them extremely fast too. Just mm-hmm. on the nature of my work, I ruin them. The I, I wear out leather bands like crazy. Right. Um, and that's one thing I do like about the Apple Watches is is that kind of redesigned band mechanism where it's basically one button push on the back and the whole thing just slides out the side. Oh. Mm-hmm. which is I kind of I'm kind of curious as to why even regular watches uh, whether they're electrical or mechanical haven't kind of adopted a similar system unless it's just not as common to swap bands in general I guess but um, I would think that that would kind of drive a change in the industry a little bit that I guess really isn't there like I would expect it to be yeah no, I, I, I agree. I agree. But yeah, I mean, I think you have some good points there. I, I've always really enjoyed the leather watches or, or like the straps that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always thought you have pretty good taste in that. Um, I mean, you have pretty good taste in most things. But you know. <laughs> Why, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, now, we, I don't know when we should just... Uh, I don't, I don't know even know where the heck we left off. off. We <laughs> we're start we're starting with the origins now. Oh, okay, okay. So, <laughs> um, so watches uh, kind of evolved from spring-driven clocks, and basically, it's kind of the the same trend that we see nowadays, where there's a new technology that comes out, and it just continues to get smaller until it's a more portable type technology and, and and as it gets more refined it generally always gets smaller and then it it, it evolves from there um right 
And they really kind of first started appearing in 15th century Europe, um, which is such a crazy long time ago to think about <laughs> how intricate it, how watches are, how you know, the super crazy fine detail it takes to make, a, not only right. make a watch, but make it even relatively consistent uh, or reliable, like reliable enough to even bother with, you know what I mean? Right, right. Um, and then let alone like making multiple of them at a time, like one of the most famous watchmakers in France, like had a clientele of people ordering watches. And it's like, I do not have the patience to sit there and make all of these. Can you imagine how many times yeah. it just like didn't work? Yeah. Well, I think uh, looking through some of the documentation that we were looking at and show prep, it wasn't until 1700s, maybe early early 1800s where there was any sort of machinery for uh aiding in mass production of these things i mean up until then it was every single piece was hand made for every single watch ah uh, which is that's am- nuts. amazing to think about yes it is um and then we're kind of moving forward a little bit to the 17th century um and, you know it wasn't really until this time that watches were uh widely uh worn in pockets um you know like we talked about before you know technology has to get smaller and smaller before it really becomes portable um and you know prior to this it was clocks were basically getting smaller and you could kind of carry them with you um and then we see the emergence of pocket watches um and then you know, continually getting smaller as well as a little bit different need for people wearing watches. They need something they can quickly look at, not have to free up a hand to get it out of a pocket or something like that. Then we start seeing Mm -hmm. watches. Um, But they even still had to continue to get smaller. I mean, especially early pocket watches, they were not tiny uh, and you're not something that you want to be wearing on your wrist. Um, We're kind of backing up a little bit into the, uh, evolution um so up until mid 1600s uh there wasn't really that okay so they were not accurate at all especially <laughs> like to each other like if you take two watches you have one watch that might be repeatable day to day by itself but it would absolutely right. not watch or <laughs> not <laughs> wow not match a second watch, maybe even made by the same person, side by side. Right. Um, so a great leap forward in accuracy occurred in 1657 with the addition of the balance spring to the balance wheel. Um, actually, an invention disputed both at the time uh, and ever since between Robert Hooke and Christian Hoggins. Um, and so basically what, what was going on from what I could gather is, you know, you have like a basically a spinning weight in there powered on you know, uh, with spring energy. And up until this time, the spring would just kind of spin this flywheel and there wasn't really any governance of the speed of that mechanism. So you're going to get faster movement when the spring is first wound up. And then as it unwinds, you're going to get continually slower movement. Right, right. Because the spring like over time is not going to be as... Tight, right, and 
so th- the best way I can, you know, describe what I understand about this technology is that this is where we see the balance wheel start oscillating. And okay. it basically is a way to limit the speed of the wheel. It can't just zing around in there as fast as possible. It's got to go, it goes up to a certain speed. It's got to come all the way to a stop and then it goes the other direction. And so it's it's a lot more uh, consistent from when it's first wound to when it's uh, starting to, you know, get into the unwound area. Um, and it's, it's super interesting. This invention increased watches accuracy enormously, uh, reducing errors of perhaps several hours per day. That's crazy. Down to maybe around 10 minutes a day. Which is still a lot wow. in today's standards. But think about maybe think about having a watch and just being uh, maybe several hours off at the end of the day, right? And the thing <laughs> is, is like your the access to a timekeeping thing back in that time was probably just like the city center clock or oh. something like that. You know what I mean? Like like you're not going to have twelve clocks in your household, right? You know, I, I would imagine that you know if you're affluent enough to be able to buy a watch at this time i was kind of assuming you maybe could also afford like a uh, an actual clock in your home oh but yeah, definitely yeah. not multiple i mean you probably have like the family clock uh-huh. in the center of your home you know um but yeah maybe some people didn't maybe they needed maybe whatever their profession was they needed some sort of mobile timepiece and yeah that maybe the only other way to tell time was the the city clock and if you can't see it from where you live you you go by the uh uh the hour chimes or bells yep. or whatever yep. it was um, right but yeah i mean that's <laughs> i can't imagine it being off uh, <laughs> that much and, and you know be, uh getting to be more reliable in that regard you were a- we were able to start seeing the emergence of the minute hand on the face which is sweet. Right. Because, you know, if, you're, if your watch is so inaccurate that you can not even fully trust the hour, then what on earth is the minute hand even going to tell you? <laughs> yeah, um, right, right. And so this is where we start to see the minute hand. Um, and that's kind of beginning around 1680 that came into, uh, came into the mix in Britain um, and around 1700 in France. So it kind of started in Britain and spread out from there. Um, so, but yeah, the, mm-hmm. they originally didn't even have minute hands because it just, it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe like, you know, maybe at that point, like the more important thing was saying that, Oh, I, I, I'm able to afford a pocket watch or like a watch or like a mobile watch. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it's more of like a, a societal standing oh, thing rather I, than, I am 100% certain that, especially in the early days, yeah, I'm sure it was convenient being able to look at a watch, but it was, a lot of time, I bet it was more of a status symbol than it was mm-hmm. an actual, use uh, a useful timepiece. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, if it was in, like, civilian folk, for sure, military mm-hmm. stuff might be, a, like, a different kind of fold of, of importance, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm with you there. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Sweet. Um, I'll take up this next just wrist watches. So before that's kind of just like the origin of the watch and 
the mechanical things and how it kind of grew over time. But wristwatches were actually more of a concept that traced back more to like patrols and even the name of like a watch kind of goes back to patrols or watchmen on patrols because they'd have the timepiece with them to know when their shift or patrol would be over and then they'd be relieved and then uh, be done with that kind of work. But wristwatches, even then, those are like more pocket watches, things like that. But wristwatches were really more popular um, during World War One. So generally, up to this time, there was pocket watches that were mainly geared towards the men. And then wristwatches were actually geared towards women. And you mm. could, you know, they were just not designed for men. But when World War One came around, they actually found it very important um, and useful to actually have wristwatches as a standard issue for soldiers in the trenches. Mm-hmm. And they designed these wristwatches to be very tough, durable, almost indestructible with a, like a like a plastic face so they wouldn't get like shattered and things like that. Um, and then once the war kind of ended, all of a sudden, people were seeing pictures and posters and stuff of wristwatches on soldiers and it just took off in the civilian world too. Mm-hmm. So men, women, everyone was wearing wrist, wrist, wrist watches and you kind of see this transition away from pocket watches. And then by time of the 1930s, um, I saw a thing where it was like wrist watch to pocket watch ratio was 50 to one. So mm-hmm. the pocket watch was like almost more of a, of a vintage, like dated thing rather than the wristwatch yeah, itself, it kind of which is dated interesting. Family heirloom kind of <clears throat> right kind of right. thing, yeah. <clears throat> right. So it's interesting how you know, not not to like derail us or anything, but I feel like wars are always a huge centerpiece of like a change of something. Oh, all which the is time. Un- like understandable, but you know, like small little things, even like the wristwatch comes out of a war, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, no, not that. Uh, not only just like something that I would mm, kind of call a fashion trend, but technology does the same thing. Things were developed for war after the war. You know, there's this technology was developed. People know it. Uh, it's driven by the industry that had fueled the war effort, and they're going to transfer it into, you know, the civilian market. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, we see that all the time. Uh, you know, one thing I was thinking that whole time was, you know, de- the definite drive behind wish- wrist watches for women is 100% the mysterious absence of pockets on women's clothes, especially <laughs> everything, especially at, you know, this early time period. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> that's got to be what, you know, drove the. Uh, disparity between you know men and women uh, uh, pocket watches versus wrist watches right right yeah absolutely <laughs> isn't that nuts to think about I mean it's crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, <clears throat> alright so we can kind of go into the quartz watches a little bit here um, which I don't know about you but for whatever reason I kind of find this the most interesting part of the whole conversation here Mm -hmm. um so we talked about it a little bit before the movement of the watch up to this time was pretty much standard standardized on the oscillating movement of a spring-driven 
flywheel basically oscillating back and forth and that's where you get the uh, speed regulation of the watch right um so the commercial introduction of the quartz watch in 1969 in the form of this sec uh seco is it seco or seiko i should know that that's kind of a common brand. i know me too. Seiko Astron 35 SQ. <coughs> Good to go. In the uh, in, in 1969, and in 1970, in the form of the Omega Beta 21. So, in place of the balance wheel that we talked about before, which oscillates maybe five or six beats per second, and then the rest of the watch is kind of standardized on that uh, oscillation frequency. Uh, these newer watches used uh, an actual quartz crystal uh quartz crystal crystal resonator <laughs> say, say that yeah. fast. quartz yeah. crystal resonator um which was depending on the design of the watch could either oscillate at eight or and sometimes up to 192 hertz and obviously one hertz one hertz would be one oscillation per second so it would be eight times a second all the way up to 192 times per second um and this would be driven by a uh, a battery powered oscillator circuit um and then the rest of the watch would be tailored around what frequency that this circuit was designed to put out and it was extremely reliable it was uh rugged there was a lot less moving parts in it um and a big thing is that frequency wasn't as subject to change based on level of the battery. Right. So as the voltage of the battery was starting to go down, battery was starting to get a little bit worn out, that frequency was kind of held extremely stable, kind of right up to the very end of that battery's life. Um, And it was less subject to even just throughout one day, slowing down towards the end of the day. Uh Um, Uh Uh-huh. And so, basically, since the 1980s, uh, more quartz watches than mechanical ones have uh, are actually on the market. Um, right. And, you know, I think I am by no means a watch expert. I just know a little bit of things here and there. Um, <laughs> so, and it's basically even the early, well, heck, even probably modern uh, digital watches that are not smartwatches still use this same technology because you can still take the frequency of that quartz and still use it for tracking time even though you're not using uh-huh. it in a mechanical system okay um, so it's okay. the same technology that kind of drives both they just they use that same quartz driven uh, uh oscillator circuit one you know one side they're using it to synchronize mechanical systems on the other side they're basically taking a reading of it and dis- displaying it on a digital screen right right yeah so that's all like your clock types of analog versus the digital mm-hmm. stuff and then a lot of times like even analog versus digital digital like that quartz hertz can also measure more than just time i mean a lot of times on watches there's dates there's mm-hmm. you know it could be well, dates like the only thing that you know comes to mind. Like sometimes uh, elevation. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if that all of that really 
Maybe not elevation, but uh, there's a lot of other things. There are things watches that, that do that. I don't know if they use quartz for it, but basically, I mean, if you're looking at a digital watch with a date on it, it's basically you're it's basically counting, right? Right. You're setting right. it. You can think of every time you reset the time on your watch. You can, even though it's not zero, you can think of it as zeroing it at that time, mm-hmm. and then yeah. it's basically just counting up from there. Right. And right. then instead of like in the old days. Obviously, 60 minutes would be an hour. You know, as technology gets better and you can compact more into one device, you think, okay, 60 minutes an hour. Now, every time we get 24 hours, add a day, and now you have the date. Yes. Being able to be tracked. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, Yeah, that's good stuff. And I don't know. There's there's something about this that mechanical watches are cool. And and you know what? It's kind of funny because they're... They're kind of a retro thing. I'm sure there's still people out there making like custom mechanical watches and they're super expensive. But I think, and, and you think of a quartz watch as kind of a lower end consumer device. Uh huh. But when you look at the technology in it, I think the quartz watch is kind of cooler. Yeah. You know? yeah. Looking no, at it pure no, technology it. wise. Right, right. Yeah, the the thing is, like, the market kind of shifted just because of, like, what quartz is and, like, it's easily produced. It's mm-hmm. easily, you know, sold because, like, it's a super accurate. Look at all uh, all, it, all it needs. And then mm-hmm. the upkeep is literally just a battery. Yeah. Granted, the batteries it's, are way more expensive I than would, they probably need to be. But I would arguably say it's, it's superior in every way. Right, right. Other is, than yeah. being self-sufficient and spring-wound, you know that's the only downside. Yeah. I would say is a dead battery, you're out of luck. But right, right, um, right. Superior so like in the, every other way. Exactly, I'm with you. And the market kind of shifted where it's like now it's more of um, a uh, shoot, like a like a luxury to have mechanical watches <laughs> because you <laughs> yeah. know you're always going to be paying a lot more for more labor work in a product mm-hmm. so um and but then you know now they're actually designing to like showcase the mechanical work so mm-hmm. maybe part of the clock face will be see-through so then you can see the mechanical stuff and people are going to be like oh that's really cool but really it's like you just got sold a piece of junk that won't keep time that well no I'm just it's kidding. not going to keep as good time as the casio <laughs> you go buy at walmart yeah yeah right <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it, it, it's by no means a piece of junk, but like it's just saying, like you know, with with a lot of luxury like that, you're going to be coming with a lot of extra baggage. So, I mean, as cool as they really are, I mean, it's awesome. And then on the other side of that, kind of that one in between is like the automatic watches, um, yes, which are going to be the ones cool. that wind themselves, right, mm-hmm. based on like the wearer's movements. Mm-hmm. So, granted, still not as accurate, but also really cool because they keep those same mechanical elements, but um, are a little bit more self-sufficient and reliable. I mean, across the board, I really enjoy watches for what they are. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I'm totally with you. Um, well, like you know, the automatic it, watches are definitely really cool. It goes back to the it goes back to the status symbol conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you can go, uh, you can go anywhere and get a watch that's going to suit your purposes. Utilitarian doesn't matter; it tells you the time. Or if you're looking for the status symbol side, you go and get a watch. Now, I would I would also venture to say that. Even though they're mechanical watches, I'm sure they are much better than they used to be. 
at the height of mechanical watch oh, production for sure without for sure. a doubt i mean they're uh i'm sure there's uh i'm sure gear faces are laser cut with these i mean everything is perfect and i'm sure that you're probably if you want to look at keeping time over the course of a year assuming that you keep it topped off on the spring right you're probably looking at minutes off at the end of a year uh-huh. maybe you oh know, yeah so, for sure for sure you know we're talking like it's inferior to you know quartz regular <laughs> and and in reality the technology is so good it really isn't it might be off a little bit but it's not that big of a deal right right um but i forgot where i was going with that i got sidetracked <laughs> and oh it's the status symbol thing but it, yeah it, it's more of a if you can afford it and if that's what you want you go for it even though you know it, it you can get anything else for 50 bucks and it's going to do the exact same thing for you absolutely absolutely yeah no yeah i mean wow I, yeah big fan <laughs> of watches if there's anybody out there looking into getting into watches i will fully support you uh even if the significant other is highly against it i will push you over that edge and i will not hesitate so well let me ask you this i i i didn't don't really think I could be asked this question because I'm not a watch guy, but you being more interested in watches, is there a watch that like, you know, you want someday? Like, is there like a dream watch? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, don't, I think, don't say Rolex, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, honestly, like this might be a hot take, but across usually almost, I haven't found one yet. Rolexes are ugly to me and I, and I just do not yes, enjoy them. Agreed. Can confirm. <laughs> They're pretentious. They are. They are. I, I am just. I am just not a fan. Um, I've heard great things about Timex watches. I would. I would like to own a watch that uh, is definitely like worth a couple hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like the kind of watch, I think I'd really like to own. Um, I pro- probably like an automatic one at some point because those are usually pretty pricey. Mm-hmm. Like an automatic Swiss made movement watch. Probably. Yeah. That was- Sw- Swiss is usually like that coveted movement or that coveted, um, you know, make of watch. Mm-hmm. And so like Swiss made isn't even like, it's not really different other than all the other ones other than just the name and like it's manufactured over 60% in Swiss. So mm-hmm. it's not like Switzerland. So it's not like anything particularly interesting, but you know, usually the craftsmanship and stuff like that. I want to be able to say I have a Swiss made watch right Right. Here. And, and it's, it seems like it, at this point it's kind of a, it's not necessarily like a, there's, any real differences versus anybody else's premium watch. It's more of like a, a Swiss watch is kind of the standard bearer of the rest of the industry. Right. Almost. That's kind of what it seems like to right. me where, you know, technology is good enough to where there's not a ton of differences, but it's kind of going back to that. A, a Swiss, a Swiss watch was the standard. Yeah. Of watches. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say, the majority, if not all of mine, are what they call Japan movement. So I believe like the quartz and stuff like that mm-hmm. are made from like Japanese designs. But Japanese movement is like quickly becoming one of the more like 
most common, but also reputable, like quality wise as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's starting to be um, like pr- pretty respected, I guess, mm-hmm. across the spectrum of of watches. So like, you know, if a watch itself is made in Chinese, China, like, you know, made in China or whatever, um, the movement has like Japanese parts, which makes it Japanese movement, which is um, becoming pretty reliable. So, Gotcha. I was not aware of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's a deep rabbit hole, man. I'm sure that it <laughs> is. And you know what? Uh, watches are cool. I, I, I like watches. I'm just not a watch guy. But it seems like it doesn't matter what it is. What area of everyday life there there is, if, there, if there's something, there's always a group of people who will take it and run and go. Like, oh, for I sure. I wouldn't necessarily say overboard with it. But I'll also say overboard with it. Oh yeah, you know for I mean? sure, for sure, for <laughs> sure. And, and it's so weird. Like uh, we're we're twenty six years old, which is like barely anything on the grand scheme of things, right? Right. right. But like, I feel like you know my small pea brain and like small like <laughs> world view back in the day would think like yo that just doesn't make sense. Why why would there ever be a following? Why would there ever be a market for that? But now being older, it's like. I do not put anything past uh, people being into um, like particle board designs. Like I am sure that there is a group of people <laughs> that is so deep into particle board designs. Like that's and how what it's they created. do for fun. Like yes, yes. Like like I do not second guess anything. People are weird. People do dumb stuff, and I will never doubt that. You know that 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 X has happened or X exists. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Well, and, and like like using your example there. I mean, there's at the at very top level. You know, first thought. Oh, someone says I'm super into like designing things out of particle board, and you think that's dumb. What a dork. <laughs> and then, <laughs> right. but you know, and you think about it, and you know, like that's it might be a little bit odd, but they also very well could look at someone who's into watches as like why would why would i care like that's that's dumb you know yeah i've got a phone you know right yeah so it, yeah and, and there are things that i don't understand why people are into them are into that area of uh hobbies i guess but it's like you know what as long as it's not hurting anybody else, like I, they probably think the same thing about the stuff I'm interested in. Um, Absolutely. And it Absolutely. is what it is. Yep. <laughs> I'm of that frame of mind. <laughs> I'm of that same frame of mind. I just like combined two sentences and it didn't make any sense. No, it's um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, big guy. That was a sweet episode. I'm a fan. What do you think? Should we round her out? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's round it out here. I think I will add that I think this is the longest we've ever stretched really, really short show notes. <laughs> I know. It's kind of crazy. I was not expecting a, an actual full-length episode. Oh, one quick final thing. Check this out. As of 2018, the most expensive raw, the, the most expensive watch oh. uh, on the record to be have sold um, at auction was a Patek Philippe Henry Graves Super Complication is apparently the name of the watch, <laughs> which is the world's, world's most complicated mechanical watch. Um, 
until 1989. So it was kind of like the most complicated one until 1989 came around. But apparently at auction, it fetched $24 million for a wristwatch. $24 million. <clears throat> That's crazy. Means. I mean, it just crazy. like we talked about before. I mean, it literally plays right into our previous conversation. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine... Uh, take whatever the price of a new Apple Watch is, pretty much. Yeah. I can't imagine paying more than that for a watch. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, with you. Ba- basically, I'm I'll with you. use that. And I won't even say new. I've never even owned a new one. I always buy the used ones. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. Uh huh. And whatever that price is, I that's pretty much my standard bearer of watch prices. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't imagine anything above it. And $24 million is just like, I, I, God. I don't even know what to think I, about that. I don't think you and I combined will make $24 million in our entire lifetime. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a bummer, but probably not. (laughs) Sorry, I shouldn't have brought that up. That's a low note to end the podcast on. (laughs) Dragging us... Dragging down the morale here at the very end. Yeah, right. Hey, it's okay. We could be poor together and just drink ourselves to death. All right. Thank Love you guys it. so much for <laughs> that like Ben's like that's that's my perfect life right there. Oh, that's kind of sad. So <laughs> uh, what does it matter if you're happy, you know? Nope, you got me. That's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> As long as you die with a watch on your hand, I think you're going to be happy, man. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Episode 124, all about uh, quick and dirty history, um, about some uh, watches and then wrist watches. Great show. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed what you've heard, you can find us on your favorite podcasting app, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcast, Stitcher. Please, please just hit that subscribe button. Let us know what you think. You can always hit five-star review if you enjoy it. And then write a review letting us know what you enjoy about the show. You can also email us at youngnostalgiapod at gmail.com for future show topics. Or if you'd like to just talk to Ben and I personally and get the quick and dirty scoop of who we are, just let us know. Email us, youngnostalgiapod at gmail.com. We also accept pictures. Ben, anything else, big guy? What do you think? <laughs> no, that was fun. That uh, We took a little bit of content and turned it into a full show. And, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking the whole time, There's pro- for whatever reason, it popped into my head that there's probably going to be at least one, like, hardcore watch enthusiast listening. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And that one person is probably just, like, steaming. Like, you guys are such idiots. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking hey. about. <laughs> Give us an email. Come on. Let's do a follow-up to this puppy. We would love to have you on. YoungNostalgiaPod at gmail.com. Come on. It would be a blast. Come on and roast us. Bet. Yes. Do it. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) I'm excited. All right. Uh, Nonchalantly hitting the out cue music. Yeah, there you go. Great show. Thank you guys so much. You guys rock. Sorry about missing a week, but you know what? We're bums. We accept it. Ben, anything else, big guy? Sorry. As we always say here on Young Nostalgia, keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. (laughs) We'll talk to you next week. Hopefully.